It's great to be with everyone tonight. Um, I'm not sure where you're tuning in from this evening, different places. Brother David was telling me beforehand, some from the UK, some from the United States and throughout the world. Um, I don't know where you're tuning in from, but what I do know this evening is that regardless of where you're listening from, God can save you right where you are. The, the grace of God is efficient and abundant enough to save you in no matter what, what, in whatever corner of the world you find yourself this evening. Whether locked in, whether having the freedom to go about and leave your home, wherever it is, God is able and willing and ready to save you this evening if you would just trust in his son. So this evening, I would just like to share the message of the gospel from three verses in the book of Romans and chapter 5. The book of Romans and chapter 5, if you have a Bible with you there on your, on your phone or in your house, and if you don't, that's all right as well. We're only going to read three verses together, and it's found in Romans chapter 5 in the, in the New Testament, the book of Romans chapter 5, and we're going to read verse number 19. And it says this, Romans 5 and verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience... Many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered, that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. Our Lord. And really this evening, I would just like to focus on those few short words we have read in the in the second verse, in verse number 20, where it said, But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You know, there's no really a greater contrast in human existence. You could search through the annals of time. You could look at the, um, uh, at the greatest of literature, of the, of the loftiest of poetry. You could search out any, any civilization or creed. You could look at any manifesto or memorandum, and you'll never find a greater contrast than this. Grace and sin. No greater contrast. Two great rulers, really, we could say this evening over human existence. One has a dominion, and, and, and these, two, these two dominions, they stand face to face, grace and sin. And we've read here what, what really the, the, the struggle that has been going on ever since sin entered into this world. Sin abounding, sin carrying out through, through human history. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. One rains, it comes in, and it, it tells us here that it rains, and it comes into a cemetery, that it leads to death. That sin, it rains unto death, but it says grace. It rains in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. It brings eternal life down to man. Takes one out of darkness and puts him into light. Passes one from death unto life, where sin abounded. Grace did much more abound. Have you experienced the grace of God in your life? If you were to look at these two words, these, these, these two great struggling forces, sin and grace, which one would you say tonight, friend, rules in your life? 
Does sin have dominion over you? Is sin leading you and taking you down to a lost eternity? Oh, that you might experience the grace of God tonight. The Bible so clearly tells us that the grace of God, which bringeth salvation, has appeared unto all men. The grace of God. And really tonight, we just need to focus in and understand about these two little expressions in this verse. To see how wonderful God's salvation really is. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You know, this verse, it it tells us quite clearly here that sin abounds. There's an abundance of sin. There's There's no shortage of sin in this world. Sin abounds and has abounded throughout history. This verses that we have read, it starts us right back at the beginning. It speaks of one man's disobedience. Sin came into the world. Not because of God, not, not even because of, of, of Satan, we, would, we could say. It says, as by one man, sin entered into the world. It entered in. And you, know, you don't have to look too far back in, in human history to find out the abundance and the abounding of sin. You come to just the fourth chapter of the Bible and you read of the first family. A mother and a father and they have two sons. And one son, he gets bitter. He gets jealous. And he kills his brother. All the way back to the start of human existence. The start of the human race. We see sin abounds. Sin was in abundance. And you come to only the, only the sixth chapter of the, of the Bible. And you read there of a, of, a, of, a, of a world, of a place that God looks down upon of his creation. And it's full of wickedness. It's full of sinfulness. It's full of horrible acts that we couldn't even really comprehend. And it says God sends a flood. Sin abounded. All the way back at the start of human existence. And you, keep, and you keep continuing through history. You keep looking through the Bible. And you come to the very start of the New Testament. And there's hope presented. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David. The son of Abraham. The promised Messiah. And there's hope. And you turn over the page to the next chapter. And you see there a wicked and jealous and evil man. And he's killing children. Infants under two. By the thousands. Sin abounds. Sin has abounded throughout history. Whatever age, whatever decade, whatever century, whatever millennia you want to look at, sin abounds. There's an abundance of it. But then we could arrive even to today, the world today, and we could look around the world that we live in, look, look through the newspaper, look through, through the different headlines, and we could say that sin abounds in the world today. You look at different nations, different governments. You see some of the, the, some of the decisions that are made. People being oppressed. People going hungry while the rich sit in their palaces. There's abundance of sin in the world today. Sin abounds today. It's, it's as if it's, it's, it's a well that is, that is filling up. It's filling up, ready to overflow. And really it has overflowed in the, in the world, in the day and age in which we live. It doesn't just abound in the world. We could 
sort of narrow in the focus and come right in. You could say sin abounds in individuals. Sin abounds in men and in women. You would say, well, yes, of course. You could think of the, the monstrous man and the man who has committed these horrible crimes, the woman who has committed these horrible crimes, and they're, they're sitting in a jail cell somewhere. Their sin, their sin clearly has abounded. There's an abundance of it. But oftentimes we, we move down the chain and we say, well, what about the average man? A man who's, you know, going about his life doing average things, living an average life, buying average things, going average places. And you say, well, sin doesn't quite abound in him to the same level, does it? An average man, uh, someone, someone like me, maybe. Someone in society, not too bad, not too good, just, just right in the middle. You say sin doesn't abound in someone like that, does it? And we even narrow down the focus and we come to, to maybe the, the, the best man that we could think of. The moral man, the righteous man, the religious man. And we say, well, sin, it can't abound in him, can it? There's not an abundance of sin in a man. Like that. And despite all of our reasoning and our logic, we, we, we look at people, we look at men, and we see people standing on, on the mound of, of human achievement. And they're headed right to a lost eternity. Just like the man wasting away in a jail cell. It says the law entered in. That the offense might abound. The, the law came in so that we would see really. How guilty we were. The Bible speaks of the law. Of the commandments of God. And it's, it speaks of it like a mirror. It's just there to show us. For us to look into it. To see how dirty we really are. You don't wash yourself with a mirror. The law condemns. And it says the law might abound. What about the moral man? You can think of a man like Martin Luther, a man who tried his hardest and his, and, and his best to be the most moral he could be. He would say he, he gave himself without reservation to achieve perfection through human works. He fasted so much, his friends feared for his life. He practiced vigils. He, he prayed in excess of what was required of him in the church. And he often slept without blankets in his bed to mortify his own flesh. But this man's problem was this. And he'd tell himself he could not satisfy God at any point. And really there was a moment of, of revelation in this man, Martin Luther's life, when he would take that pilgrimage to, to Rome. And there he would, he would get to those, um, those holy stairs, the Scala, the, the Scala Sancta. And he would go there to, to, to begin that climb up to where he could feel like he had done something enough to achieve God's favor. He repeated prayers at every step of those stairs. He kissed them as he went up to the top. And he had hope of delivering himself from purgatory. When he got to the top of the stairs, you know what he said? 
Who knows if it was enough? Who knows if it was enough? And friend, it doesn't matter if we think of a monstrous man, an average man, or even the moral man. How would you ever know if you've done enough? Sin abounds. There's an abundance of it in each one of us. Some of us do a much better job hiding it down in the deep, dark depths of our heart. But there's an abundance of it. It abounds in history. It abounds in the world that we live in today. It abounds in mankind. Friend, tonight, could you be honest with yourself and say, sin abounds in me? There's an abundance of sin in me. Maybe in the quietness of where you sit and where you listen this evening. No one else around, maybe. Just you alone. By yourself, before God. Could you confess? Could you admit? Could you realize? There's an abundance of sin. In me. Where sin abounded. It abounds. But sin also stains. Stains us. Whether through history. Whether through different countries we look, whether we look at the men around us, and even if we narrow down right into our own individual life, we could say, sin stains. It stains, it scars, it leaves marks. Several weeks ago, before this pandemic was upon us and we could move much more freely, we went one Sunday afternoon to a, to a neighborhood where we had been sharing this gospel message in a little rented community hall. And we hadn't been back to that neighborhood in, in several months. And we went to invite people to come and listen to this gospel message. We went to the house of a young man in his, in his early 20s who had the keys to that rented hall we had used. And every time we had went there, we would, we would ask for the keys and he would, he would give them to us and we'd unlock the building and, and we'd invite him to come. And he'd always say, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy you're here. Now, this is, a, this, is not a, this is not a great neighborhood to live in. There's lots of people that need the message you're speaking about. But he never came himself. Never accepted the invitation to come. And we returned to his house and there was greeted by an older man who was maybe his uncle, a family member. We asked for this young man by the name of Victor. And this man, he paused and he, and he told us with emotion welding up in his face. He says that young man, Victor, was shot and killed right in front of the house where you're standing. A drug deal gone bad. And there is a, a man who is standing there. And that family. And that home. And that neighborhood has been stained. And marked by sin. Oh friends sin stains. It leaves scars. It leaves wounds. Maybe you have some scars. Some wounds in your own life. The marks of sin. Stains. The Bible tells us that. Sin enslaves us. Makes us slaves to sin. No matter how hard we muster up to put aside the vice, to put aside the addiction, why is it so easy to keep coming back, to keep returning? Because sin, it enslaves us. 
Maybe tonight you could confess and see that, yes, I'm a slave to sin. I've tried many times to put it aside in my life, to, to put a new lease on life, to begin again, but yet I always return. I always come back. The addiction, it just, it pulls me back in. Sin. It enslaves. There was a man who had experienced that and he would, he would write some words describing the, the slavery, the, 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 the captivity that sin had brought upon him. He would say this. I tried the broken cisterns, Lord, but oh, the waters failed. E'en as I stooped to drink, they fled and mocked me as I wailed. The reaching after sin, the pursuit of sin, enslaves us. It enslaves us. Sin also separates Separates it has separated history, it has separated nations, it has separated men, it has separated families. Sin separates. But more important than anything tonight, dear friend, the Bible so clearly tells us that your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. No matter what scarring, no matter what separation and wounds you have experienced in your life, oh friend. The greatest separation that faces you this evening is your sins and your iniquities. Separating you from a holy God. How is it that someone so full of sin could ever enter into the presence of God? With such an abundance of sin. Separates. The final thing. That we see and we've read in this verse. That sin. Ensures death. It ensures death. The wages of sin. Is death. For just as the obedience of one man. Many disobedience. Many were made sinners. So that sin. Reigned. Unto death. That is the end result, friend. Every one of us has an appointment with death. Why? Because we all sin. There's none righteous. No, not one. Sin ensures death. You might be listening tonight and you say, well, I'm just about ready to turn off the screen. I'm just about ready to close the computer and go on my way because I was told that this message of the gospel is good news and I've yet to hear. One iota of good news. Because friend, I hope tonight. That after seeing how terrible, how abundant, how enslaving and separating and scarring sin really is. You see the grace of God. Because where sin abounded. Grace did much more abound. The word grace. It penetrates. The infinite heart of God. How else could a creature ever come close, approach his creator? By no other means could a sinner stand before a holy God than by grace. It was John Bunyan, the famous Christian writer, famously known for writing that well-known story, Pilgrim's Progress. But he wrote another book. And the title of this book was called Grace Abounding. For the chiefest of sinners. 
And friend, tonight, in these just few little words tonight, if you, if you see and understand the abundance of sin in your life, I hope you would look and see the abundance of grace for the chiefest of sinners. John Bunyan would describe this grace as overflowing grace. He would say, when sin reached a high water mark, grace came in and flooded the world. Where sin measurably increased, it measurably increased. We could add sin after sin, decade after decade. Where sin measurably in- increased, grace immeasurably increased. Where sin was finite, grace was infinite. Another translation of the Bible would take this little expression and would put it like this. Though sin is shown to be wide and deep. Even a child can understand. And friend, in your life, you could say, I've seen sin in my life and it is wide and it is deep. Where sin is shown to be wide and deep. Thank God. His grace is wider and deeper. Where sin abounded. Grace did much more abound. Where sin stains, grace comes in and washes clean. Where sin enslaves, grace comes in and it sets the captor, the captive free. Where sin separates, grace comes in and unites a repentant sinner with a loving Savior. Where sin ensures death, grace ensures life everlasting where sin abounded grace did much more abound it brings to mind that wonderful hymn that is often sung marvelous grace of our loving lord grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt yonder on calvary's mount outpoured there where the blood of the lamb was spilled. Dark is a stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide, whiter than snow. You may be today, friend, maybe stained and marked and scarred by sin, whiter than snow. You can be today. How? Grace. Grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 3. Right where that sin came in and that, abo- and that sin abounded and man fell. Grace comes in. It searches out Adam. Calls him by name. And that little obscure grove in the middle of that garden, it, it finds him. Grace calls out. And it finds a sinner hiding. You come to the book of Exodus. And you see there Moses up in the Mount of Mount Sinai. And he's there receiving the law. Receiving really the heart of God. And meanwhile, the people of Israel, they're busy, busy making an image of gold to worship. Instead of the one true God. But despite that. Despite seeing that sin God is providing. 
plans for a tabernacle, plans for an altar, plans for a temple. Sin rolled as high as Mount Sinai. Grace rolled as high as the heavens. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You come to John chapter 4 and there you you find a, a, a woman by a well. A sinful woman. Having five, had had five husbands living with a man, not her husband. Abundance of sin in her life. Lord Jesus Christ comes. He offers her water of everlasting life. Where sin abounded. Grace did much more abound. You come to the next chapter, John chapter 5, and you read there of a man sitting by a pool of water with a multitude of sick people around him, really seeing the effects of sin, disease and infirmity and, and, and just the, the terrible, dire condition of sin. And this man, having been sick for 38 years in this terrible condition, the Lord comes and he draws near to him. And what this man, this sick man, all he has to say He says, I have no man, no one to help. Look at my condition. The Lord reaches out, heals the man. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. On the cross, you arrive at the cross of Calvary. And it is at this point that sin reaches its highest tide in the the history of, of human existence. Crucifying. The Messiah, the chosen of God, the holy, innocent, spotless victim. They are crucified on the cross. There was an abundance of sin at the cross. People yelling, crucify him, crucify him. We'll not have this man to rule over us. But from that same death, from that same cross where there was such an abundance of sin present. Well, the grace of God. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Oh, friend, the, the grace of God is, is, is infinite. There is no certain measure for different men. The, the monstrous man does not receive a full scoop of grace of God, nor does the average man receive an average portion or the moral man just a, just a small portion because that's all he needs. Sin was settled. At Calvary. So by the obedience of one. Shall many. Be made. Righteous. Even so my grace reign. Through righteousness. Unto eternal life. By Jesus Christ. Our Lord. It was there at the cross of Calvary. Where the abundance of your sin. The full weight of your sin. Friend tonight. Was placed upon. The spotless lamb of God. There flowed that crimson tide. There is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stain. Oh friend he was nailed there on the cross. Given a crown of thorns. He was mocked and he was spit upon. They pulled the beard from his face. What abundance of sin. In that place. And three dark hours came across that scene. And the only thing that is known or seen is a voice that cries out, my God, my God. 
Why hast thou forsaken me? The abundant full weight of your sin. Friend was placed upon him. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself could say. Just finished. The work is done. Grace now flows from this place to each to, to whosoever will. Whosoever will believe. Whosoever will come is the invitation. Marvelous. Infinite. Matchless grace. Freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to see his face. Will you this moment. His grace receive. Friend tonight the Lord Jesus Christ. At Calvary. Paid your debt of sin. The sin that stains and enslaves, it separates and it ensures death. Christ paid the price. Through his obedience, through his sacrifice, that grace might reign through righteousness unto everlasting life. Friend, tonight you could be washed completely clean of your abundant load of sin this evening. How? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. I close with a story of a man, a well-known man, who really experienced grace and has, has left a, a lasting mark on this word, grace. A man by the name of John Newton. A man who had a, had a, had a tough upbringing. His mother died at the age of seven. A man who, who left the, the British Navy and became a sailor and was, was, was just as bad as any of the, the men on that ship. He swore, he cursed, one time even drunkenly falling off the side of the ship and having to be rescued with a boat hook from one of the other sailors, saved his life, pulled him in, had a scar the size of his fist on his leg. Proof, a mark, a scar of his sinful state. But an incredible storm came upon that ship, returning to Britain. And it was there that that blaspheming sinner cried out to God. God saved him. And that man, John Newton, he could write these words. He wrote his own uh, epitaph. He wrote his own obituary. He wrote this. He had been a slave of slaves. But the Lord delivered him out of his bondage. A slave of slaves. Enslaved by sin. But the Lord in his abundant grace. Brought him out of his bondage. His sin abounded. But God's grace abounded that much more. And John would write these words, this poem. And I'll leave these words with you this evening. It says this. In evil, long I took delight. Unawed by shame or fear. Till a new object met my sight. And stopped my wild career. I saw the one hanging on a tree in agonies and blood. Who fixed his loving, his loving eyes on me. As near his cross I stood. Sure never till my, la my latest breath can I forget that look. It seemed to charge me with his death. Though not a word he spoke. My conscience felt and owned the guilt and plunged me in despair. I saw my sins his blood had spilt and helped to nail him there. A second look 
he gave that said, I freely all forgive. This blood is for thy ransom paid. I died that thou may live. And how much weight, how much reality is there to the words of the well-known hymn that this man, John Newton, wrote? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm blind, but now I see. Oh, friend, tonight, if you would see your helpless, hopeless condition of sin leading you down to a lost, dark eternity, and you would understand that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. At Calvary's cross, the Lord Jesus Christ spilt and shed his precious blood that you could be washed, the captive could go free, the one separated to God could be brought near, made a son of God. Sin that so certainly ensures death, Christ died, that you might have life and have it in abundance. What will you do tonight, friend, with the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you leave this, this broadcast still living in an abundance of sin? Or will you experience the grace of God in your own life? That that abundance of sin has been overflowed and overwhelmed and washed away by God's abundant grace. Oh, friend, that you would turn and repent from your sins tonight and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It says here, by the obedience of one shall many be made Righteous. You can be declared righteous, justified in the sight of God this, this evening, this moment, by trusting in his only beloved son. Would you do that tonight before God and know you have a home in heaven where sin abounding, grace did much more abound.